Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with episode 179 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it's me, Carrick, with ACG. No guest this week. We need to preface a few things. Number one, if you're watching the visual version, you might be wondering why I have some eye black on my face. And it's because I just came home from so my turkey I. ball. <laughs> <laughs> so if I sound tired, it's because I've been screaming all day. Uh, but don't worry, your boy got the MVP. I, uh, I caught three TDs and, and got awarded our $10 trophy. Oh, so, shit. Yeah, pretty oh, fucking shit. $10 dope. trophy. Yeah, pretty fucking dope. But my friends made a $100 bet on me kid said he would outscore me and my friend who bet for me he's like matt's gonna score way more than you and so i got three he got none so that was pretty dope oh, yeah <clears throat> pretty good um but anyway let's get into the show um starting off with just you know some upcoming content um what are you working on carrick uh darksiders review and trying to figure out the streaming thing especially trying to get back mm-hmm. i told you this you know behind the scenes trying to get back sort of in the saddle Right, because I I have purposely not done a couple big reviews and just sort of been like I need to sit back and like figure out technical stuff in particular. So Indeed. Darksiders is pretty much it for me until the next couple games come out in December. Yeah, yeah, I feel you on the streaming thing because for me it's it's a little bit different because like this time of the year I like to kick in the gear, you know, upload as much as I can. Um, I made like kind of a pledge earlier this year to <clears throat> to not upload on Saturdays, give myself usually weekends off because we right. do the podcast on Fridays. Um, but for me, Twitch was kind of that extra thing on the side. But I have some plans in 2019 that I, I, I teased to some of the patrons uh, that, that pretty much like is going to involve uh, part of the plans are going to involve, you know, a lot more streaming. Um, I would love to say more than that, but I can't right now. So um, <clears throat> that's all I really got with that. But as for upcoming content, I'm right there with you. Uh, you've been chipping away at Darksiders 3. I'm just about to start after we wrap up this show. I'm I'm really excited to to dive into it though because uh, I've enjoyed the the previous two ones for what they were, and mm-hmm. it's always interesting. <clears throat> I've said this before how Darksiders just can't escape God of War Shadow, and uh, once yeah. again it's it's releasing in the same year as as a God of War, so I, I want to see how it does. And also, you know, this is a uh, THQ Nordics. You know, they're they're publishing a game that's a, a big release for the first time in a pretty long while, so. I think that's a big deal, too, and I'm curious to see how it performs. So exciting stuff on yeah. the horizon. It also can't escape in a, in a weird way. I, I don't I, or at least I think it reminds a lot of people artistically of World of Warcraft because like the big pauldrons, does, big yeah. shoulder armor and stuff. And I think that it's difficult. It just always is like everybody I talk to always has issues with that game that I'm not 100 percent sure they would have with other games. Mm-hmm. And I think there's whether it be the visual style, Zelda has been compared, especially Zelda, number two. I've heard a lot. Which yeah. had a Zelda feel, yeah. And so I think a lot of people hold, they don't hold something against it, but they 
they are thinking of other games as they're playing it. And yeah, instead of it being more. its own thing. Yeah, a little, little bit more, it seems. Yeah. Um, other upcoming content for me, I uh, don't want to neglect this one, just because I'm sure when my Dark Siders 3 review drops before my Fallout review, a lot of my viewers will be confused. Um, I've just been chipping away uh, through Fallout, um, kind of feeling my way around, um, pretty much done with the map, <clears throat> or at least close enough to it. I apologize if my voice is going away. This is going to be happening a lot throughout the show. But... um. Yeah, I have to finish up the map. I'm pretty close to finishing the story, so sometime next week as well, you're going to get uh, a review for Fallout 76 just because Darksiders 3 is due sooner. I have to make sure I get that one out first in a in a timely manner because Fallout's kind of like it's an online game. You probably know what to do with the game at this point in time, and if you don't, I'll just say it for you. You, you don't buy it. <laughs> you don't buy it. But, um, you know, for those who want to see the full review and have me break down every single bit of my thoughts... I will absolutely have that for you sometime next week as well. So it's going to be a review-filled week for me. And Carrick's working hard, as always. Exciting stuff lined up for him. Now, we'll get into our uh, our first news bit, which is, I, I guess I, we can't really say it's news bit. It's more so a discussion piece. Let's talk about Red Dead Redemption 2, or Red Dead Online, rather, and how, with our luck, they'll probably announce something over the weekend. But, um... Oh, no shit. Yeah, as we sit here and talk about it, Rockstar has yet to really open their mouths on what's going on with Red Dead Online, even though the announcement was promised for the end of this month. Now, we still have about a week, so I don't want to say we're we're trying to, like, jump the gun, but um, do you think they're just waiting for the last possible day, like, in just Rockstar fashion? Because last day of of this week or of this month is on a Friday. I'm looking at my calendar. So, (laughs) you know, for them, I I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised either, but it also just feels weird, dude, because I don't know about you, but I also haven't heard anything PR-wise behind the scenes. Yeah, true. So, like, so like, even if you and I weren't covering it, um, and maybe somebody will watch and say, oh, I, I'm covering it, and they have. I haven't seen a lot of reach out for it, like, you know, for coverage or just people discussing it behind the scenes either, which mm-hmm. has been quite shocking to me because usually – even with Fallout, we've talked about this. You know, you got to see Fallout early. You know, you like you see things True. early usually, but there's really nothing coming out about Red Dead, which is weird. Hmm. Yeah, I never even thought of that. If they brought like creators in or press in to maybe test right. it, um, hmm. that's interesting. But you know, in Rockstar fashion, they usually keep quiet and they have like a big two days, right? Like they'll like I, I wouldn't be surprised if let's say they did fly some press out. They did try Red Dead Online. And then day one, Red Dead Online coverage. Hey, guys, it's coming out tomorrow. And so the second day is just everyone yeah, it playing could, it. Yep, it could for sure be that. I mean, you don't, you don't think anything bad is happening with it. You don't think it's going to get delayed? And by the way, folks, we're just discussing. We're not we're saying. We're just discussing. Yeah, yeah. We're not going I, negative I, on this. We're just <laughs> talking possibilities. I, I, I would say they're... I would say there definitely is a possibility of them delaying it, um, not connected to us not hearing about it. But they're... You know, if they aren't liking something, it seems like Take Two is the one company that'd be like, "Fuck it, it's not coming out." Like mm. until we're we're happy. That's that's just the way they are. Yeah. So I could certainly see it that way. But I would say, just because of what we're not hearing and stuff, um, I, I don't want to connect those two because I, I don't think not hearing is the same as like hearing that there's problems or something like that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It is completely possible, though, because, again, they are one of the few companies that will just say, fuck it, we're not releasing this. Right. Now, my thought was 
more than likely that let's see how much the game sells just by single player. Mm-hmm. Maybe for data, for, for future reference, and also um, just let the current game sell it and then get another second win likely for the holidays when you drop online and make a big deal out of that because then you're pulling in a whole new audience and that's going to be like the long tail audience, although the, the single player has so much replayability or a reason to go back to the world, I should say, because, you know, you can mm-hmm. eventually 100% and complete everything. But it's such an inviting world that you want to be a part of that. Um, I think they probably want to see how how long the single player can go. And, and I imagine they're just going to, yeah, wait up to the last possible minute. I wouldn't be surprised if it was just ready to go and they're, they're sitting on it. Yeah, that could be. I mean, that could be completely possible because, again, they're the only company that can do that, too. Mm-hmm. They're like the only company that could sit on it and just be like, no, it's ready. So it's completely possible. I think waiting for Christmas or a little deeper into December could also help them a lot, especially because if they time it right near the Game Awards or near Game Awards, it's just one more thing about Red Dead. It's just one more news cycle dominated by them. And I I think that that's also intelligent. I mean, it's intelligent just the release date right now, just like how they, you know, because they're a big title, Thursday or you know, November's got Thanksgiving, all that kind of crazy shit, and you're coming into Christmas time. Um, I could see them augmenting that. I I don't know though if they're driven by that as much. Like hmm. so, like if you and I were running a company, we'd be like, we can make more money doing December, let's say, for online. Right, right. I don't know if I don't know if Rockstar even worries about those in the same way that you and I might worry. Yeah, you think they they kind of approach it as like not a a given, but they they know. There's going to be an audience, yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to put it in the nicest way possible that they're not like, oh, fuck it, you know, they're they're going to buy it anyway because I don't think the product's quality, you know, promotes that type of attitude. I think it's, right. you know, right. more so a comfortable sense of creation that's there. Um, yeah, yeah, so, I would definitely agree with that. Because we, we had heard originally um, when we were talking before Red Dead 2 dropped that, like, you know, the game had been ready for a while, like a mm-hmm. really long while, and, and Rockstar had just spent most of its time polishing it up and making sure everything flowed together. Um, it's amazing how many variables in a world like that, that they have to consider to make some of those missions work. And um, just like the random encounters that can happen when you're going from point A to point B. And, and, and just, there's just a, such a high level of consideration in that title that I wonder if they're, you know, with an online component, if they're, you know, some of those variables have multiplied perhaps. Yeah, and like, what can you offer, or what are you gonna allow the player to do in the multiplayer scene? So, if like you and I have a posse, will I be able to pay somebody to come? Let's say I, I ride past some other people. Can I pay them to help me fight off the the special agents that are after me because right. I have a high bounty or something? Um, obviously, I think we're gonna see base building in this, like in you know, or gang posse building. But it's like, how in depth will that be? Additionally. Will we overlap? Will so if you get a base and you put it near these this one particular place, and I get a base and I put it in the same place, how do they treat that? Um, if we're right. both playing together, so there there are a couple things that when you add that ex, uh, extra person in, you're I mean even beyond just experiences and like bad guys coming out, but imagine like base build like all those things that you take for granted as a single point of entry for the for the gamer it's like i'm putting it here i'm the only one who controls this mm-hmm. then multiplayer it's not like that i know gta 5 did a pretty good job with apartments so they'll probably do something like that yeah because i was i was watching a video 
by what's his name? Channel Five Gaming, I want to say. He made a very interesting discussion about Fallout 76, kind of from a developer standpoint. Uh, he, he had highlighted some of his background. I, I know he said he worked on Plants vs. Zombies or something like that. And a couple other games that most people have likely heard of, but none of them are coming to my head right now, so I do apologize. But um, one thing he mentioned about Fallout was how like probably a lot of the technical struggles are because it's not like you have to render the world like 200 meters around you. You have to render right. the whole thing because there's other players on the other end of the map. And so... Um, I thought about that with Red Dead Online when we decided to choose this as a topic. I was like, hey, you know what? Like, because this game is so it's such a high graphical fidelity, it looks amazing. It's like, do you think that might be a stumbling block for them? That you know, we've seen it in GTA Five, um, and I guess twenty twenty hindsight in a way, because I'm I, I look at the game now and I'd be like, yeah, it doesn't look that great, but um, mm-hmm. I know for its time it did so. I'm sure it was a technical achievement then, but do you think that might be a, like I said, a stumbling block at this point for them? Yeah, I, I think maybe also I don't I don't know if you ever saw this, but like the Halo guys one time um, came out and were talking about why they removed co-op split screen from the last one. Mm, why they're at, right, they were right, also right. adding it back, but they they had removed it, and they said one thing to remember is that you are drawing. So when two people are looking, at the very minimum, you're drawing their vision cone. And then you have, like, I drop a grenade on these boxes. That's one thing. But what if two people drop a grenade on those boxes? What happens then graphically and all that stuff? So it absolutely it absolutely could be that. It certainly, I think, in some ways is that with a Fallout game. But I would, I would argue and say that most game engines don't draw the entire world. They would render out your render targets based on what you could see. But you are still informing all those people of oh, that. Okay. Like you so your your computer handles the rendering. Nothing is done. That that rendering's not going to be there. It's going to be done via data delivered to you. And most gotcha. online games now wouldn't have the entire world be it'll be it'll be there for sure. Yeah, like I, your, should, me- I should the memory of it. Before roughly quoting him, I, I should highlight that um he was kind of going off the idea of this, like, you know, the potential. Not that oh, you, gotcha. what you were saying was wrong or, or anything, because yeah. that's helpful yeah. in its own right, but he was kinda going off the idea of hey, this could be why it's happening. Yeah, more so could, than and, and it could be. And it yeah. could certainly be what affects Red Dead. I mean, the one thing I think we're, I, I would personally say I'm happy about is that with Red Dead, you can't get any travel in the game world faster than your horse. So, like, if you get a GTA game, you can run, right? You can mm-hmm. jump on a motorbike. You can get in a helicopter. You can get an yeah, airplane. True, so true. a game has to deliver data to you at the very minimum as fast as your fastest vehicle. Otherwise, you'll run out of data. We've seen that in some games where, like, you'll have the zero plane, where you have, like, a transparent plane if you've been, yeah. you know, if it's streaming wrong. So I could see a, a, an older game having that. I don't know if GTA, or I don't know if Red Dead would, just because it's all horses. They've got dynamite. Trains. Maybe two or three other trains. They've got a couple things that explode big, but nothing huge. Maybe so hopefully that's not in. the issue. <laughs> I don't know. Ooh, you mean a, a dirigible, like a go, Goodyear? Like the the like, one th- there's like a mission that involves the hot air balloon. Oh, you're talking about that. Oh, not yeah. the not the. Uh, for some reason, I got this idea of all of us in Goodyear blimps. I don't know <laughs> why, but I was like, maybe that would be awesome. That's what I was awesome. thinking. I was like, that would be amazing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Different thing. Um. Let's see here. Um. Anything else you want to add on the Red Dead Online discussion? Nada. No, other than I'm really. I'm just. You know, actually, really excited to check it out and see 
see what it ends up same in here I'm, I'm super curious to see how it pulls me away from everything else <laughs> just like the single player part did um on the opposite side of the spectrum we got ourselves a game going gold that has been in development for quite a long while there's been a lot of hype building up for it and now it's finally seeming to be it's time and that is kingdom hearts 3 they just announced a few days ago development is complete Carrick, are you rejoicing? A little bit, but I'm going to be honest. I'm nervous about the story thing because I don't follow it as closely as you. I'm not nervous because I know it's not going to be great. (laughs) Well, I mean just not knowing what's going on. So I'm going to try to watch. I'm not going to watch that two-hour video. Oh, you're talking about everything that happened before. Yeah, so I've played them. In the past, but I've ne- it, it's it re- we talked about this uh, earlier. It reminds me of um, of uh, Devil May Cry. I've played Devil May Cry, but I also couldn't tell you half of the names of anybody in the game, mm-hmm. and I don't know why. Like they don't they don't stick, and I I'm worried that this game is going to be one of those games that's like a lot of inside jokes or not inside jokes, but like expecting. References. Yeah, and I I would be nervous for that because I personally feel like I will not get ninety five percent of them. Um, that that's the only thing I'm worried about about the mm. entire game. I think it looks fucking it looks awesome. You know, it, it it could turn out to be bad, but it doesn't look like it's going to. It looks awesome. I was awesome. gonna say that's one that's a game I would be. I, I know I'm a big fan. I've said that before, but uh, I would be shocked. If that game is bad. Yeah. Shocked. At the very minimum, that game, I feel, is going to be so much fun. You know, the story, I don't think, just based off storytelling in this series in the past, you know, it's always been connected to its characters. That's how you you care about it. But, like, in the terms of an actual storyline, I've never just been a fan of that with Kingdom Hearts because it's just so convoluted like if if anyone wants to know why I feel that way Dream Drop Distance kind of ruined it all for me I was like this is just but but the premise of Kingdom Hearts 3 and, and what they're setting up for the story and how they're using past characters with the, the, the new forming Organization 13 or whatever name they go under at this point in time I mean that that stuff has me really excited as a fan um, it's, you know it's just a game that's hard for newcomers, though. It's very hard to hop in and, and just know everything that's going on. It's it's one of the few games that comes out that's got like a three or a two in its name, but you you absolutely have to play the previous ones. It's not like, oh, this takes place 20-some-odd years in the future. You have a new protagonist, new characters. You can play this one even though it's, you know, whatever, too. Or, and so Kingdom Hearts 3 doesn't seem to be lining up that way, but I think that's why there's such a focus on making the gameplay fun. Because mm-hmm. if the gameplay is fun as shit, there are people who just buy it to play it. Or at least you think so, right? Yeah, you would assume so. I, I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, I would agree. I don't think it's going to be. I, I mean, it could be bad, but I think be. everything we've seen doesn't indicate that that's where it's going. In fact, it indicates pretty much the opposite, which is good for them because they haven't had the best success late, uh, lately. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's also it's also cool in that way. Um, do you think it's going to have a, a final? Fa- I know this is a bold question but do you think it's gonna have almost like a final fantasy 15 type of story because like you know, this is another game from square enix that was kind of mismanaged announced too early right. in development for a while no no, no? i mean no no i, I think, think it's gonna so. sell better than, than final fantasy i think 15. 
Well, and did 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 Final Fantasy in the end do well? Because I think it did well, right? Eight, eight Maybe million it plus do... copies. Jesus Christ! Yeah, like really good for a JRPG. And I'm like, Kingdom Hearts has Disney on it. That's that's an audience right there. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think I told you this. I can't remember if I. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I told you this, but I actually got interested in it when I saw a spell or what have you that um, involved uh, getting the magic train. And it was like it was about four trailers ago, maybe three right, trailers right, right. ago. And I remember just like, like what the fuck? Like that that yeah. looks awesome. So I mean, some of the stuff looks incredible. If they can nail that, then yeah, I would assume sales would be really good because that'll capture kids' attention for Christmas. You oh, know, that'll be the, that type of game. Yeah, because it's the summons, the the worlds, the references to Disney. Um, it's just it, what they're doing is, is so awesome. You know, the art yeah. style and how they've managed to match it up with its its right counterpart. Like, you know, when you're in Toy Story, you kind of look like a Pixar figure. When when you're in, um, like, Pirates of the Caribbean, it looks a lot more, uh, I guess, believable. It looks real. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just the way the art style and the gra- almost the graphical style really just completely switches world to world that I think also lends itself to the title where just – it's like I mean, this is going to sound simplistic, so hear me out. But it's like it's nice to look at. It yeah, just no. like you said, you're talking about capturing attention, like fun gameplay, nice to look at. It's just fresh, 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 fresh. That type of stuff, man. Oh my gosh. I mean, because dude, you have to work through looks. You mm-hmm. do. You like so if a game doesn't immediately cause you to look over there and be excited, it takes finding out other stuff for that to happen. So when a game does look good. It's all, it's automatically just a tiny bit easier. You know, I mean, it's just like, oh, graphically, this is interesting or amazing looking or realistic looking. So I'm going to watch a little bit more. Then you see a cool gameplay moment and you're like, OK, this is definitely for me. So well it, it, what they've shown, though, for me, at least, um, I, I guess they're called summons. Is that the train? Is that what you would call um, that spell? Is a summons? I OK, so <clears throat> there's a couple of things in Kingdom Hearts. Um I know that fans of Kingdom Hearts get very upset when their series is, is misrepresented, so I don't want to do them wrong here. Um, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I've seen, like, I'm good friends with the gamers joint, so I watch his videos, and I've seen what happens when IGN gets it wrong and, like, delivers, oh, like, the wrong information. I'm just like, oh, no. I don't want to be that guy. Um, so I know that there are summons that, like, for example, you can call in, like, Lilo and Stitch, or, or Stitch, rather, mm-hmm. from that. Um, because obviously it can't fit every world. So it's kind of like the, I think of it like assist trophies in Smash Brothers. It lets you get some of the extra characters that you may not have been able to squeeze in um, Mm -hmm. into the main game, into some type of part of the gameplay. Um, But then there's certain parts uh, called reaction commands where you just press triangle and like shit happens. (laughs) That's the best way to put it. And I'm unsure if that train was a reaction command or... If it was a, a summon or there's something else in there. Um, because quite honestly, I'm very excited for this game. So what I've done is my normal approach to games I'm really pumped for, which is I back off. You know, yeah. I, I, I try to tap in with like, um, you know, oh, there's a new trailer. Let's watch that. Um, there's, you know, let's let's just make sure we know some of the backstory here. That's usually much closer to launch. Like right now we got a couple months. So I'll, I'll revise within, you know, two weeks beforehand or something like that but outside of that it's it's not much else oh i'm gonna be honest i thought i thought kingdom hearts was this christmas but it's not uh, is it? january 29th i want to say 
Got you, got you. So it's it's done kind of early. It, it went gold pretty early. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely did, which um, I, boy, that does change my thought process on a couple things. Huh. Well, let's hear it. I just, they must have a lot, they, they must have not any bugs, first of all, because, dude, you go gold, it's going to be harder to get all that shit, you know, out on a day one patch or what have you. Right. So I, I don't think it behooves them to go gold for no reason, right? And if you're talking about, you, you said you think January? I know for a fact it's January. Let me check the exact date, but I, I'm, I know it's end of you, January. Yeah, so if it's January, then you have a full, like, month, month and a half. It feels to me like that's a very confident company. And so, like, it, that sort of removes a, just even the smallest amount of worry I may have had. Mm. Like, that's, that indicates most likely an, an insanely confident company if they're going gold, they feel like it's yeah, done January and ready 29th. to go to master. Yeah, that's that's great. Jeez, yeah. So it's even the end of January. Yeah, that's, that's the thing cool. is, that's one. That's when I saw that they went gold. It was one of those moments where I thought I would almost missed something because I'm like, this seems really early, and I'm like, you know what? Maybe I just don't pay attention as closely as I thought I did to games going gold. I usually was just celebrating it was happening, not like when it was happening. Um, right. Because now that I think back to it. I think Spider-Man was one that went gold a week or two beforehand. And I was like, wow, yeah. that's, that's pretty early. And yeah. with this one, I, you know, it, it kind of puzzled me for a second. I went, wow, this is, this seems different, but I'm not a hundred percent sure of myself. Yeah. And of course it depends on the game, but I mean, it's like, I, like I said, I don't think they've been doing incredibly well lately. Right. So it seems like the releases haven't, even though, they did Tomb Raider. We found that sold way better than you and I both thought, right? It, it wasn't performed, it Tomb Raider that... Well, it's it's a weird stat because I know we talked about on the podcast once how it did well, but then there's also a stat that it did 70% le- less than... Um, it kind of had like a Fallout 76 thing, which I'll explain in a sec, but it, it had 70% less than the reboot when it originally launched. Um, but like that's not accounting for digital sales. It's just retail... Um, mm-hmm. And it, like I said, it's that Fallout 76 effect that I was talking about where the number doesn't look pretty. Like Fallout 76 launch numbers are down compared to Fallout 4 by 82.4% in the UK. And it's, but it's retail and, you know, digital's gone up a lot uh, right. since 2015, especially since 2013 when the Tomb Raider reboot launched. Um, but like with both those numbers, like 70, 82.4%, like those are both such high numbers that even if you have them, that's still a pretty, in my opinion, dramatic underperformance for a like a, a game that, like Square Enix said, they they put a hundred million dollars into the game and thirty million into the or thirty five million in my event into the marketing for the title. Hmm. Gotcha. Okay. So my thought with that out there was, what if Square Enix said like, all right, like we've spent too much on this game. Yeah, and went gold early. Yeah. That I was think my other that. Thought. Um, yeah, I mean, the the problem with that is it would be so late that most likely, you know, other than bugs, and they could have decided it cost too much to to do, you know, to fix bugs. But I think, I think that'd be pretty crazy. Doesn't mean it doesn't happen. But right, that'd um, be strange though. I, I yeah, it would be a little strange. I think overall, um, most likely a company wouldn't go gold early unless they were in like dire financial straits. Hmm. And that because you're cutting depending on where you are. Let's say like. 
you're obviously past adding features at that point. If you're a couple weeks prior, you're you're definitely past that. But you're really you are in depth into the testing, and like for example, I was testing Watchdogs um, remotely for Ubisoft until I canceled working because I was going to review it, and I think that was only like three weeks prior, and we were reporting pretty major bugs, and they got mm-hmm. fixed. So. I don't know, man. I like, goddamn. I, I certainly hope they don't. They didn't just like have money issues and they just like, ah, fuck it, go gold. Because well, it yeah. seems to me like that could be some serious problems. Yeah, and I, I want to spin the negative web here. I, it's just more no, so. Yeah, because I made a whole video talking about Square Enix, and I was like, you know, is this a company that might be in trouble? And the reason I posed that thought is I took pretty much every one of their recent launches. I did forget in that video, and I could kick myself for it because it's on my Game of the Year list. It's in my top 10, uh, Octopath Traveler, which did perform well. It sold 2 million copies last time I looked. So that's one that oh, did do well. Gotcha. And Dragon Quest Eleven did well for them. It sold like 3 full million. Full price for uh, the the other one, the first one? Yeah, $60 that, that titles for both of these. Oh, and it did 2 million? That's yeah, something bad. along, or 1 million, something along those lines. <clears throat> one to two. It, it did really well for, for what they're, they said it performed way beyond their expectations. So those are the two kind of standout positive things. But then you look at stuff along the lines of obviously Final Fantasy Fifteen being the most recent thing. Uh maybe Tomb Raider being another huge investment that they're not making the money back on. Cause when you look at square and consistently putting a lot of money in that series it has to be making enough to justify these sequels, but has it become lucrative or they're above water yeah. with that? Um, what else was there? There was the luminous issue. Kingdom Hearts three was stuck in development hell for a while. Final fantasy seven remake stuck in development hell for a while still is, even though they said it's going to be the next focus after Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, and so, also with Final Fantasy 7 in mind, I wonder if that's why they decided to go gold early. Because Tetsuya Nomura, who's like directing Kingdom Hearts 3, said like the next PR priority after Kingdom Hearts 3 is going to be Final Fantasy 7. So I wonder if they're like, this is the deadline, you're shifting after this. Just a yeah, thought. But what I was getting at originally was like, it just didn't seem like a lot of good things outside those two games selling pretty well. Um, for for really their genres more than anything, um, it didn't seem like outside of that that Square Enix was doing super hot. And plus, posting a thirty three million dollar loss, I I don't know if they're like Nintendo and they got just money sitting in the bank from their golden age days where they were SquareSoft. But I mean, I can't imagine they that was just such a nilly willy loss. And they were like, yeah, I mean, it sucks, but we'll be fine down the line. I think also, you know, there's a chance that there were some purchases in there. There was some deferred deferred costs for things as well which is how because they they claim it loss but cost is loss as well so i'm wondering if some of that because uh, not that that number can't be right obviously i think 33 million probably makes sense but um i'm wondering how much of that is connected to a game or multiple games sales versus probably some of that but also because they moved around their uh, some developers because they were the ones who sold hitman right is that how? Yeah, they or did they Hitman. buy Hitman? They sold, they sold off Hitman. They sold off Hitman, and so they still posted a thirty-three million dollar loss. I think in the same year, because I think Hitman was just last year. I could be wrong. I think so. Yeah, no, you're right. Because I, I think, I think like I am right, but I could. It. Yeah. So um, there's, there's also, you know, what did they get paid from that? Was there, you know, did they already spend it? Because they may just be fine. It may just be one write-off, and they're, they're good to go. But I don't know how well they do. 
overall, to be honest. Right. Like, they don't ever seem to be not – they don't ever seem to be, like, the top. Like, we never go – like, you never talk about them like Activision, right, or EA. We never, we never talk about them as the top dog oh, ever. I just thought, what about the Marvel deal? Marvel deal's a big deal. They actually announced some information last week. I think really? on the Marvel thing. I didn't, I didn't yeah. Care about that. Yeah, they and, and it was just like an excerpt, like a we're still working on it, don't don't fucking fret kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um and and that was most likely in response to, you know, news cycles and stuff where people are are worried about stuff. But that's gotcha. it's definitely still in the works. And cool. that's good to hear. I think yeah, I think somebody was talking about um seeing the actors guild uh voice actors guild like script for it. Um and and seeing that people I'm were you know, I haven't called into that because that's like a game I'm s- so curious about like Square Enix and Marvel, you know a JRPG yeah. powerhouse and Marvel it's just wild to me. They and it could me. be amazing though. Yes, right, absolutely. Like oh, I just hope they don't use Final Fantasy XV's combat system. That wouldn't be fun. You were big hater. No, I liked one? it or at launch. Just, just... I went back for the multiplayer expansion. It was all right. And then I went back and played the game again. And I was just uh-huh. like, I don't like the whole hold a button to attack and watch your character do things. You know, okay. I, I feel video games are interactive. And, like, I like to press one, swing once, press again, swing again, press again, swing again. That's how I like my feedback. Some people don't care, and I get why. Some people like to okay. just hold the attack button. For me, bugs me. I thought some – it reminded me a little bit of God of War, you know, where in, in – cinematic more than you would like no no but in final fantasy 15 there were just certain enemies that if you got into the late late game you went into some of those end game dungeons that th- they were just ridiculously powerful and would oh, want to hit you yeah. and you just blow all your phoenix downs and the game started to feel a little cl- not clunky is not the right word but it would kind of fight against you and, and same thing with god of war where you know there were certain valkyrie mechanics at the end end game like some of the final two valkyries i fought that just highlighted that there were certain things that weren't working within the combat system as well as it should have where I was I was being hit unnecessarily. I still did it legit, still did it all fine, but um, it, th- those two games kind of remind me of one another. So it, to wrap it all back, yeah, I hope that Square tries to use a combat system that's different from that. Also because, like, we saw it in 15, we're going to see it in 7, I don't want to see it in another game. You know, it becomes that, like, free-flow combat system where it's just in every game from a company. And um, I think that creates a a fail of establishing identity, personally. I mean, I, I might just be talking uh, talking gibberish here, but... No, I, don't, I mean, I don't think, I don't think you are, because, like... Um... Corey Balrog, they somebody stated or whatever is however you pronounce his last name, mm-hmm. they were saying that he's he's you know working on the next thing, and my th- first thought, funny enough, is sort of related to this, where I was like, man, I hope it doesn't look identical to God of War. So, I like I sort of get the the desire to have things being artistically at least somewhat different than one another. Um, the only issue I'll say, like, I I don't know if I want to see. I don't know what kind of game I want to see that Avengers game be, if that makes sense. Hmm. I, I'm I'm not quite think, sure if I, I want to see. An RPG? A, that's the thing. I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be an RPG like you or I think it could be. Do you know what? I'm I'm a little nervous. It's going to be a Batman 
Arkham Knight, but as Avengers, and they're going to replace Gotham with New York, right? They're gonna they're gonna have you be multiple characters instead of one. There's something about it that feels like right now the big games are are third person action adventure, you know, type <laughs> so. of titles. Sony for sure, and I and I think companies see that. Other companies see it, and I think with Avengers, think about it this way: Do you try really hard to do something different with Avengers, like an RTS, right, or a fucking driving game? I'm just talking about weird shit. Right. Or, or do you aim for what currently it appears like the audience is really responding to, and you fulfill one goal that is not filled right now? Spider Man's done. So Spider or Spider Man's release, it's got DLC and that's it, and then it's done. There's a gap there for superheroes, and I think Avengers can hit that gap. I've, and I've Marvel themselves have that plan, right? You know. Yes, right. Yeah. Oh, sorry. That's another thing. What What does Marvel want? Right. Because right. it's not like it's not like Square just to, gets to say we're making a porn game, and Marvel be like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have to okay whatever gets worked on. I wonder how would you feel. I'm just thinking of like sheer menu concepts in my head right now, but like imagine the the Final Fantasy menus like but with Avengers characters on them. You know, you got your skills menu, you got your party menu, and it's kind of a turn taking RPG. I mean it could work it could work. I just don't know what type of nuts Square has. Right. And what type of nuts Marvel has and if they're gonna be okay with that. Uh, like that's the big deal. Are they gonna you know, are they going to be okay with a a, te- a test of their IP, or are they going to try to do what DC tried to do with the movies and just be like, "This is exactly what we're delivering. We're not going to surprise you in any way." Mm. Um, and it could be successful, like the Avengers is, or it could be unsuccessful, like like uh, the DC movies are or have right. been up until this point. They haven't. They haven't done. I can't. I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like I'm. Super excited it's being made, but I could honestly see us talking, you know, six months after it released as one of the, you know, the big busts, too. Yeah, absolutely, because there's so much unknown about it, and I hate to keep wrapping this discussion back to Fallout, but I feel like there's just so much to learn from that launch and how, like, it's kind of like, I think gamers after that are going to be pretty done with the idea of, like, if a, 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 cons- a company's not saying anything, that they, they're hiding something that's good, that's going right. to wow us in the game, and that's going to shock us. Like, if they're hiding it, it's probably because they don't want us to know something. And I've said that before, but sometimes you just shake it off, and it's like, you got to put that cloak back on and, and realize that uh, that's often the case. So it's like with, with the silence of Square Enix, um, they started development when the when they acquired the license, right? And that was in what, like 2016? Yeah, it wasn't very long ago. It was either it was either 2017, 2017 or 20 or 2016. And now, of course, that was when it was announced right. that they have decided to work together. So, there could have been preliminary stuff. I don't see that Marvel would have ever said, "Hey, you guys are already working on this game. Let's just change it to Avengers." So, I would assume it's a brand new, you know, it's like a Let's see yeah. a, a brand new title. You know, that kind of stuff. So we're talking 2000, late 2019, 2020, most yeah. likely. I, see, I just feel like they're going to take a turn-taking RPG approach with it. Because it allows you to put every character really? in the game. I've, I've Just like, oh. as I think about it, I'm like, okay, Avengers is a pretty big squad. Since we know it is based off that team, how do you fit all of them in? I know the dream game is like, oh man, imagine like 
a, a free-flowing combat system. Each one of them feels distinct, different, unique movesets, but I just don't see that happening, right? And so... So it's the same team that did Final Fantasy fifteen. Is, is that it? what you're saying? Or... No, sorry, I apologize. I was asking, is this the same oh. team that worked on any JRPG prior? Well, all I know is Do you Square know? Enix. I don't know what team. Okay. So, so if it's just Square Enix and it's not, like, a good overlap, I don't think um, you would have to, like, even assume it's going to be an RP, uh, 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 like a, a, a JRPG. I think it could be anything. But I would say that if they do, if Square ends up, if you find out that the team working on this is a majority of people who've worked on past, you know, uh, um, JRPGs, I would assume that, yes, then you could look at it and say, yeah, it seems like there's a high chance it's happening. Uh, I think that's the big thing. And I don't know that. I don't know, you know, which one it is right now. Hmm. I wonder with some of their JRPGs... um... They always have a unique art style, the ones that they publish. And I was like, you know, are they going to go for more of a lifelike approach with this one? Or are they going to go maybe a comic book art style route with this? I mean, imagine, okay, now, oh man, now the gears are really turning. Like the, the Final Fantasy menus, except they're they're kind of like comic panels. Oh, shit. And you see like the, the four kind of pillars with like the characters' faces in them, what level they are, how much HP and MP they've got. Oh, man. I would love to draw up a concept like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think just the big... It, it's actually sort of what we've talked about a, a couple times today is, like, it does depend on how well they're doing, like, because of how much of a of a risk they'll take. Right. So, and then, and then you know, did they... So there's, there's almost two ways to do it. Disney closed down Avalanche Software. Avalanche Software was Disney's arm of video game development. Right, so they were your Disney Infinity. They were the guys who who did that, and they shut those guys down. And then they got Square and said, "Here's the IP." But I don't know who reached out to who because that could be the difference. If Disney mm-hmm. reached out to Square, they may have footed a lo- far larger bill than we think. For example, if I needed you to do something for me, right, I could say, "Can you do this? I'm going to pay you this." But if you just as a fan were like, "Hey, here's something." That's a different thing. And I think that it depends on who went to who. If Square went to Disney and said, I want Avengers, then they might be paying out the ass. That might be the $33 million too. Mm. Like, it could easily be the money or some of the money for the IP purchase as well. Because it depends on the deal, right? It depends on, is there a deal up front or is it the deal for sales at the end, the long tail sales? Like, are we, you know, one, you know almost like a movie act, star can take all the money or many movie stars are now opting for, like, residuals you know larger set of residuals larger set of the box office so mm. yeah that 33 million could be connected to all this too could be. like it absolutely could be it, it absolutely could be. could be um especially with um oh my god train of thought it's fading it's fading uh it'll come to me in one second i promise you Oh, yeah, we could take a look at... See, I told you I'd remember. Um, you could take a look at Insomniac's Spider-Man and how... Um, I'm sure a listener would probably be able to easily find this compared to us because I feel like this might be something that takes some digging, but how, how that encounter happened because, you know, that game had its pre-development, the talk, the game released, the post-release stories where, you know, a lot more comes out. I'm sure somewhere amongst all that we've, we found out, you know, Insomniac approached Marvel. I feel like Marvel 
is approaching these studios with ideas because um, I think his name is Bill Roseman. He always talks. Um, he's a part of the Marvel Games team. And he always talks about how they had ideas of developers and a hero and how they want them to, to be the right fit, you know, and not just hand yeah, the license okay, out I remember to everyone, reading that. right? And so yeah. my thought is Marvel had an idea. Square was the fit. So if we look at it from that perspective, then what is Square best at from their perspective? Probably RPGs, probably JRPGs. So unless they were impressed by Tomb Raider in some way we're not aware of. Yes. I would say, yeah, and Tomb Raider, I think, is I think, impressive. So do I. I just, I'm saying it didn't do the best. Right. It sounds like. We don't know those numbers, but I'm saying back then, you know, seeing a Tomb Raider and thinking it was on, a, it, the, on the tip of a big success because Rise did well. So, like, I, I could see that, but I think, yeah, if we look at it from the standpoint of them searching out you know, in particular, searching out Square, then most likely they did go. I, I just don't see a JRPG-style game working for that. I just don't see gamers buying it. Like, like, like not like yeah. a Valkyria Chronicles where it's kind of like a, a hybrid of two things and a unique art style that and it allows you to have a lot of characters. Like, you're not about that. It's yeah, no, I am, but I'm not about that seeing that in sales. Right, if that makes sense. No, I get what so you're like. Saying. Uh, yeah, so like, would I get it and like it? Would I rate it high? Yep. <laughs> would people would 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 the current people out there buy it? That I don't know because another thing is you look at the Avengers movies, and I'm guaranteeing you a number of the discussions from gamers that are around that are like, man, I wish there was a fucking Iron Man Batman game. We've talked about this, right? So I that's another thing I'm wondering about is where they're like, hey man, we want to take these IPs and and turn them into this open world Red Dead, right. Spider Man, Horizon Zero Dawn kind of game world. That doesn't necessarily mean I'd like it more because I love Pillars of Eternity. Uh, I liked um, uh, Tyranny. I like the isometric games. I like JRPGs. So to me, I would totally be okay with a team that you like had almost like Final Fantasy, and then you maybe go back to your base. And you fucking grab new heroes. Yeah, you go back to the shield. Ship but here's or the thing: the shield base, I, mean, I don't, I don't see, I don't, I don't trust Disney to not DLC us with a third-person action game as well. Imagine you start out and you've got your maybe ten characters, and it's like a Batman-style game. You go around the world and you blah 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 because this is what Disney Infinity was. Remember, this is pretty much identical to what Disney Infinity was. And then, what if they're like, here's DLC each month as a new character. And if there's any company that would do that, Disney would. Like, I do feel Disney would shaft gamers without a shadow right. of a doubt in that way and be like, oh, man, you know, this will be a complete world. It'll have your, you know, all this crazy shit. But every month is a new superhero. Imagine their idea of like, oh, we're going to connect comics into this. We're going to release a comic with each fucking character we do in DLC. So it's, you know what I mean? Like, it can yeah. grow into this fucking <clears throat> stupid I'm not saying I would like that. I'm just saying the current industry is weird right now, and I could see them going with that. Gotcha. Oh, well, we'll see, hopefully. One hopefully day. we'll find out soon, because I'm getting really tired of like having no data. Yeah. Right? Especially, like, you know, their their press conference was weak, uh, Square Enix, huh. and so I feel like... It wasn't a press conference. Yeah, though, and so I feel like that's <laughs> kind of tied to the the financial loss, because E3, you know, a lot of people learn from Sony, that that's expensive, so 
Yeah. I wonder if this year they come out swinging a little bit more like, hey, here's Kingdom Hearts 3 DLC. Here's Final Fantasy VII again. Here's Avengers. That's like three... Maybe not the DLC as much. Those are two really big deals, though. And then the DLC yeah, could, sure. you know, depending on... I imagine Kingdom Hearts 3 performs well. The DLC might be exactly like the the, the cherry on top. So, yeah, for sure. We'll I see. That. Anyway, next bit of news is... We talked about this briefly last week and how we said... Warner Brothers just can't get a break with these leaks. You know, one time it was the Harry Potter game. This time... We're talking about Mortal Kombat 11. So I have an article up from ScreenRant.com by Rob Gordon. And pretty much it says, Mortal Kombat 11 may have been revealed by a disgruntled voice actor on Twitter. The much-awaited, or the much-wanted Mortal Kombat sequel has been on the cards for some time, but developer NetherRealm Studios has remained tight-lipped about how the prospect of Mortal Kombat 11 will come about. Now the announcement of the game may have been taken out of the company's hands. Um, let's scroll down a little bit. We have Lala, La, Lalo Garza, who tweeted, Well, I finally confirmed that the, quote, professionals, end quotes, of at Pink Noise decided to remove my character from Mortal Kombat 11. How sad that a company that wanted a lot ends up making decisions that affect both you, the consumer. Goodbye, Kung Lao and Reptile. So, wow, those are awesome characters too. That's really disappointing. Yeah, that was two of my favorites. That, yeah, that was the, the the one thing that I think shocked me when um, when I saw the the two characters that he he had actually voiced. Mm-hmm. I will say that I'm really tired of the I and I don't know what the term would be, but the not even social justice, but like the the I'm gonna plea to the to the public about this issue. I mean, that's business. People do decide to cut characters from games. Like, that's business. It's There's nothing fucking magical about that. So, like, his, his hurts little... The, hurts his potential of getting work because he probably broke some type of... Yeah, yeah that's what I was going to bring up, too, right? Like, like it's sort of, it just seems dumb on multiple points. It's like, you know, just... I mean, people fucking... It's business. Like, the world's not about coddling you. It's nothing about that, in fact. Yeah. And um, it, it was it was surprising to me, but at the same time, it was depressing when I saw those characters. Not that if they were lesser characters, I would be less depressed. It's just that I saw those, and then it hit me that oh yeah, it's a main. Ga- it's not like the fucking title guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not the guy who like says fight. It's a it's an actual character, and strangely enough, two characters I play all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this article also mentions the idea that you know, what if it were announced at the Game Awards because it's on December seventh. Um, and that seems like the biggest thing on the horizon. Uh, what else does it say? It doesn't say anything else. It's just that tweet there. Um, someone asked why that unnecessary change of voices. And Lalo responded, because the owner's tantrum, which bothered him to prioritize my work as an actor before being a clerk. You think that's badly translated from Spanish to English? It might be. Because okay. I was just re- I was just about to say that the next thing did mention that, but um, oh okay, yeah, it says that he was a voice actor of Lucio in Overwatch and Krillin in Dragon Ball. So, pretty renowned voice actor. Um, yeah. What I had more of an opinion on, I'm not surprised it's another Mortal Kombat, and that's kind of the issue, right? Because it's like injustice 
Mortal Kombat. Injustice, Mortal Kombat. I know Ed Boon loves Mortal Kombat to death. Like, it's his baby. He fucking adores this thing. But, you know, for the rest of the studio there, do you think they get tired of the kind of bouncing back and forth, bouncing back and forth? Because I know the initial Injustice, and I'm sure, too, might have been a breath of fresh air, but do you think fatigue might set in at some point soon? Yeah. No, I think it's probably already set in. Dude, really? that's a long fucking... Yeah, I mean, like, dude, it, like... I mean, by the time the last one came out, they were fucking putting Predator and Jason in there. They were just throwing shit in there. And mm-hmm. to me, it feels like... Especially because I got to meet the team uh, during... Let's see, was that PAX or GDC? I can't remember. One of the two events I went to. And nice guys. Everybody's really nice. Very nice. But when the discussion comes up about, like, what's different, you can see somebody struggling, especially for a Mortal Kombat game. Like, what's different? Oh, well, we have babalities, right? It's like every single time there's been a new game, there's been some, you know, one element where I think with Injustice, there was like, hey, these are superheroes, we can do anything. I think with Mortal Kombat, you're also stuck with that fiction, right? Because I don't think you can play around with the fiction too much. Maybe they're playing around with it now. People keep track of. Yeah, so the only thing I can think of is maybe that's why they cut him was because they also decided to change up the story and kill some people. Because Mortal Kombat's been known for that, but they're not going to kill everybody. They are only going to kill two or three and leave the core there. I mean, that's, that's pretty typical for a fighting game. Mm-hmm. But I, would, I personally believe that they're already... Um, that, that there's got to be some kind of fucking fatigue in there. There's got to be, dude. They've... I mean, fucking sense, I how feel. many years... Since before I knew you... I was covering uh, Mortal Kombat games. So it's been like four or five, four or five years. There's been two, I think. There's been yeah. two Injustices. So there's four. And then there's all the ones prior. Yeah. Cause... And, and I, I get what you mean. Ed Boon likes it, but I really wish he didn't like it as much. Just Because, yeah, now that I think about it, I was, uh, I want to say a sophomore... In high school, Mortal Kombat 9 came out. That has to be my favorite NetherRealm game. Absolutely. I adored that game. Played it so much. Then after that was Injustice 1. Then I was a senior in high school. Mortal Kombat 10, I was in college. Okay. Then I graduated and was out of school for a while, and Injustice 2 came out, and then, yeah, so it's it's crazy just how time passes in a way, but more than anything i'm more so trying to highlight like how long they've been at that you know the the last mineral combat to currently what they've worked on which is injustice 2 just how long that's been going on for and it's like a six seven year thing man like that's yep it's been crazy i mean it's like remembering that that was one of the original arcade games so it's like you know there's been times where the ips messed around and shit but overall it's been with him been with his teams and i think they switch out you know obviously they you know people switch out and he's probably got people that love mortal kombat but i i i have stated multiple times i would much rather see them do something with an injustice style game or or something you know unique like that versus mortal kombat even though i like mortal kombat i just feel like it's not as extreme anymore which i think is how it sold itself in the past a little bit you know it was like look at us People would well, just look up the yeah. fatalities and be like, fuck, I got to do that. Yeah, that looks brutal. Um, and so I feel that like some of it was sold on that, and it might be nice to wait it out a little bit. 
Right. Because I don't think Injustice was different enough from Mortal Kombat to make you go. I don't feel like I just played a Mortal. They're using the same fucking you know sideways engine and shit. So it's like, it, I personally feel that it would have been nicer for them to either explore some more comic book situations, um, or, or, put it on hiatus. Not for a ton of time. Yeah. Or maybe just for like two years. Just give it a gap. Just a gap there. I agree. Because bit of breath. I'm with you. I love Mortal Kombat, um, but it's it's not giving me time to miss it where it's it's become like as you're like playing injustice 2 you know what's next right like yeah. i don't know if you got that vibe when you played it um not by anything in the game but you just kind of like when when you talked about stuff that could improve you, you we were already talking about okay in mortal Kombat 11 here's what can change and i feel like that sense of predictability is it can aid the company it probably keeps sales relatively consistent and probably makes data projections a little bit easier but on the other hand, I just feel like things can get stagnant. You'd see a little less innovation, um, and that can ultimately hurt the company if they don't get some new things to, new toys to play with. Um, yeah. I don't know if they could have a Lego situation where they can kind of have a relationship with both sides and be like, "Hey, let's let's do something with Marvel. Let's do a Marvel fighter." Um, that would be my dream come true. I love DC, but holy crap, if they did Marvel, I would faint. Um, but that you know. Where, where I mean, they could they like, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't see that being like impossible. So they certainly could, you know, do something like that. It, mm. it, it'll be interesting to see like what they do to switch it to dude. Because I mean, man, I, I mean, I'll play it and, you know, maybe like it at the time, but I feel, I feel like when the moment anybody says Mortal Kombat, I feel like the first thing I want to say is I'm done. Right. I just want to give up. You know, it's just like I'm. It'll be the same same move sets. It'll be all the same stuff, unless they went nuts and did. And this would I would kill for this. It'll never happen. But a 3D Mortal Kombat, like Virtual Fighter, mm-hmm. where they that were like, okay, we're stepping into the future now because I think they are. I don't know what the term would be. Not behind the times, but their technology curve on 2D always. Right. You know, for a lot of people, I think feels a little less technologically advanced. That'd be pretty crazy, though. Can you imagine a 3D Mortal Kombat, <clears throat> like Toshinden or Virtual Fighter or Tekken game? It'd be pretty that would, crazy. That'd be sick, you know. And one thing I've learned about fighting games, uh, I've played a lot more than I ever have in my entire life this past like year and a half, I'd say. So mm-hmm. I played a lot of Tekken Seven. I played a lot of uh, Soul Calibur, Hero Academy, Dragon Ball Fighters, and so on. And what I've realized is. Um, there's only so much I feel that that ends up getting switched up. Like there hasn't been that, you know, and this is going to sound simplistic at first, but I I assume people know what I'm talking about. Like, you know, there's going to be your blocking, your basic attacking, your super powered moves or something along those lines. Um, and it seems like every fighting game is underneath that archetype. And I don't know if it's for accessibility to pull on more consumers, to, to give them that feeling of, like, you pick up the control and you're already somewhat decent at the game because a lot of fighters have kind of veered off in that direction. Mm-hmm. But we haven't seen a fighter add that new thing that kind of changes the fighting landscape. I really like the the sparking in Dragon Ball Fighters where, you know, your health starts to come back and, and with the, the three versus three fighting, I thought that was great. Um, kind of similar to how Tekken allows you to to get that extra boost at the end of the fight, but there hasn't been that mechanic that becomes like a mainstay that kind of 
paves the way for fighting landscapes where like everyone's like yep that's in a lot of future titles it's kind of been sold yeah. on art style aesthetics or series history and it's like that's why I, i'd love to see them work on something new because it forces those new ideas to come out to, of hiding to be like okay you know we got marvel we'll, we'll stick with that example here's what we can do with this now because we couldn't do this with a dc character you know i know both sides are super powered but maybe like we have environment this wouldn't be a mainstay but just a a random idea is we have the environmental attacks that have come over from mortal Kombat. imagine if you're playing a spider-man you can web them from a distance so he has a bit of a different feel um and range compared to other characters just a thought mm-hmm. but i feel like that's kind of what they need or, or a fighting and fighting in general it doesn't really fall all on the shoulders of a nether realm Oh, that's true too. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. It doesn't it doesn't at all. Um, I think that it, regardless, what we'll probably see is we'll probably see the typical thing with like a couple adjustments, a couple new things. Like I don't know what you would call them, friendalities. You know, those have been used actually. Now that I think about it, so whatever the term will be, relationshipalities, they'll they'll be that. Um, I don't feel that they're going to change it up in the end of the cycle. Uh, end of the game hardware cycle, what they consider the end of the cycle, I think that there's more of a chance of like the next game not being Injustice. I actually think there's a very good chance of the next game not being Injustice. I think this one will probably be normal. But I think that Injustice has um, has gone so far with like the the world, the um, the hyper worlds or what, I can't even remember the term. Yeah. Um, the but, challenge mode pretty much. Yeah, there was so much going on there that I think that of all of them, that's the one that they will switch up. And they could, they could do a fucking a different comic book series. They could make their own too, and it doesn't have to be Mortal Kombat. I don't know. I just it could also be that you know for that studio, it it could kind of be a reverse effect. Like it's almost like a oh, it's good to be home feeling when they go back to Mortal Kombat, and that they're they're kind of like eh, not eh, but like all right, yeah, injustice. And then they're like, yes, it's so nice to be working on Mortal Kombat now. That yep. could also be it. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely true that some people, especially, I mean, just depending on the team, right? Some people are going to love, and, and some yeah. people probably came during Injustice's time, and they really came for Mortal Kombat. That could be true, too. That's actually a really good point. Really good. Yeah, absolutely. What about Warner Brothers, man? We talked about this briefly last episode, I mean, just... Do you feel for them yet? You know, they're, they're, they had the fucking Harry Potter game leak. Now a voice actor gets pissed off, and he just tees off on him on Twitter. Uh, I mean, they, they can't keep a, a good game announcement hidden, can they? No, and I, I, I mean, I personally think that, like, I'm not a big fan of leaks because I would rather, you know, everything be controlled and you get to see it the way it's supposed to be. I would rather see companies not always defending against leaks, that kind of stuff. I think it actually hurts... I think it's better if, you know, everybody's pretty honest about stuff up front. Um, yeah. But I would say with with WB in particular, they fucking, they need, I don't know if they need to t- make people accountable. But so where I came from, a leak was uh, you signed a contract, right? And if you, if you leaked it, man, not only were you fired, but you were, you were going to be sued. Yeah. Like you couldn't just, you couldn't just break the contract, right? Like that's, that makes no sense. That's why it's a contract. I, I don't think WB will do that, but on some of this stuff, like, you got to look at why it got leaked. Or how, sorry. Like, like the, the fucking Harry Potter one was crazy, because that was like a, 
full-on trailer, you know, and they were they yeah. obviously serious about it because they fucking terminated people's channels or, or, or uh, copyrighted people's videos due to it. It's a big deal to them because they had to. Like, they at yeah. some point, right, they have to look and go, we can't let people think they're going to be able to get away with this. For example, if a voice actor leaked that and you have, you've already set your PR up, there could be millions of dollars at stake that just now changed. And Todd... Um, from Bethesda, what's his name? Um, Todd Howard. No, the uh, 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 the bigger dude. Um, Pete. Oh, Peter. Pete Hines. Yeah. yeah, Pete Hines even stated in his Twitter just maybe three months ago, a little bit before Fallout's beta, I think, where he said something along the lines of, "I absolutely hate leaks because all my PR plans for two months have now been have now been shot to shit," and he said something like. I absolutely love working my week, working all weekend because of a leak or blah blah blah. And that's you know they they're pretty pro gamer, and even they're frustrated by it. Mm. So you got to assume a big movie studio is just pissed, just pissy about it. I mean, speaking of him, have you noticed he's been like offline on Twitter yeah. since the game launched? Yeah, I've yeah. stayed far clear of other than giving my opinion. I've stayed far clear of like any Twitter battles about that um, about that game. They right. think it's raw for people, and I it saw somebody on your channel yeah no it was you it was your tweet it was your tweet when you said hi you said something like or or did you say so and so was right he has been mia maybe you said it in discord but uh, I, I, I i think just, someone pointed out on discord i think of oh was it okay was, gotcha but, yeah and i saw it and i was just like huh and i went and checked and pretty telling yeah. dude yeah right pretty telling. Uh, you know i i think <laughs> Because we tapped on that a little bit um, in the Discord for the patrons. And I think, not to get stuck on the topic, but I remember saying, like, it's either two things. Number one, it's like you said, it's very telling of what is happening there. Or two, he knows if he says anything that doesn't involve, hey, we're fixing this. Or, hey, here's new content. Not even that. I think people just want it fixed. That he's going to get blasted. So it's like absolutely right. Why speak? Absolutely right. Why speak yeah. if I'm just going to get torched? On the other hand, I think that's absolutely right. But my counterpoint thought—not the—not the, not the pr- truth, but the counterpoint thought would be it hasn't stopped him in the past. Mm. Because that's what—that's one of the things I've been openly vocal about not liking. So it—it it is strange. It is strange. Yeah. So it's like you have this du- dichotomy of. Oh, yeah, it could just be this, but then you're like, but once again, even that proves that a breaking of a pattern has occurred because there's been all kinds of crazy shit with Creator Club, with huge issues of Bethesda, yeah. and he's always been insanely active, unbelievably so. And so when you when you see that pattern break and you try to look at the current stuff and say, oh, it's just because of this, then you look at the past stuff and go, uh-oh. Like, this has happened before, and yeah, at least I mean, as far as I remember, he was very active then. I just tell people that usually it's two things. I think – I saw Dan Stapleton of IGN say something I think is really true. Um, that, like, I can't imagine this was a unanimous decision that they were all like, yeah, let's do Fallout Online. I'm sure there was a lot of people who were like, no, it's a bad idea. This is not our future. It's not a good idea. We went through with it anyway, so there's probably a lot of I told you so's being held back. So it could affect the work environment. It's just a thought I had, you know, because, like, 
I don't feel like a huge dramatic formula change like this that they know they were pretty much figuring out as they go along mm-hmm. um, yeah. with something like online play in the creation engine. I just feel like that's something that simply could not have been a hundred percent like, yeah, let's all do this. You know, yeah, there had right. to have been people just like in any, any type of talk with games. I feel like even, even we were talking about Avengers and, and Square Enix earlier. I'm sure there was a naysayer there who was like, hmm, yep. You know, is yep. this what we need or should we put this money over here? So. Yeah, I mean, there, there's also, there is that for sure. Um, I don't know enough to tell you if if that occurs at Bethesda, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't know if that kind of feedback occurs at Bethesda or people are just like, because everybody's going to bitch about their jobs, which you just brought up. You know, there was I'm sure there was somebody who was like, I don't like the idea of an online fallout. Um, so I don't know how many people how many I told you so's really there are because most companies are still trying to fight for money even if they have a failure the very next day. Mm -hmm. So it's like you don't really sit around and go, okay, I want you to sit in the center of this office so we can all point at you and say your idea was bad. Most of the time what happens... Yeah, I don't think so. Just back in the head. No, I don't... Yeah, I don't think... Yeah, and I I don't think you were saying that. But what I'm saying is I think that other than a couple people maybe... You know, internally saying that, most are probably driving forward, right? And additionally, mm-hmm. despite them not developing it, I think ESO does teach them lessons about oh, yeah. sticking with something. And um, I, I think that there is a chance. We've also seen Ubisoft, r- love them or hate them, they've been incredibly successful at improving games as we go on. Insanely yep. su- In fact, one of the most successful games or the companies face of that it, I'd games. say, really, when you look at it. Yeah, pro- pro- it's games as a service. And so it's like, we know that Fallout 76 is going to be that. Our Bethesda, you know, like, this is where we're going. So, you know, and maybe he's burned out, too. Like, it must have been tough for it. You don't want to be the head of PR, right? When yeah. the, you, you know, nobody, there's very few people who get in those positions who love confrontation. They can handle it. That's what they're known for. You can handle it. You're pretty bulletproof. But it doesn't mean you love it. And I wonder what it must be like to be on that side. I would fucking hate it. Like I would want to. I would. I would just con- continually put my arms out and spin around in a circle and try to hit everybody. Like I'd always be mad. Yeah, <laughs> he's. I, I got to admit. Like he. He's handled some stuff that. I'd be. <laughs> I would be much meaner, even if I was getting paid good money. Yeah, like, man. No, he he's up. done a good job with what's been thrown his way. It's with what's been thrown his way. Yeah, yeah for sure. But I think if anything, it's it's probably served also as a wake up call. Right, like, yes, just yeah. you know, no more of this, because yeah, and I don't want to like you know, I because you got your review coming and stuff like that. True, and yeah. I, I I made my point on Twitter about what I thought. Um, so personally, I I don't I, I have stopped following a lot of this because right, I'm just done with the game. Like, I you know, I know people get mad at me for saying that. I've seen you know, there's been some harsh words you know it's like oh everybody just loves to hate it and it's like i really did step away in the last two weeks i think prior to it coming out so i was like i want to like give it fresh eyes i want to you know regardless of what i feel i mean you and i both talked about this it's like you may hate a game but if it turns out good you're like this is fucking awesome mm-hmm. like 60 bucks well invested right, right. and I, I unfortunately 
I don't feel that way about this game at all. And um, I, I'm more interested in what happens in a year um, if it's still on the same trajectory. And honestly, the competition, Maddie, is insane right now. Like, when you look at the fucking yeah. Game of the Year awards, the fact that Bethesda isn't in there, but fucking Odyssey is, everybody should sit back and just take into account that a Ubisoft Assassin's Creed game is in the discussion for Game of the Year. Not to be rude, that's never happened. It happened a little bit in Origins, but most people had moved on and liked other games. Yeah. Um, and Bethesda's not in there. And I think that that's also an issue internally where they have to decide, you yeah. know. That's, yeah, that's what I said. I, they, they're vets, but there's a shock factor there. There has to be. Yeah. It's just yeah. like they've never been in this position where they've released Skyrim, Fallout 3, Oblivion... You know, has there been a game that's come out of BGS outside of Fallout 4 that really wasn't mostly loved by people or at least agreed, like, hey, you know, this this moved things forward or this did something for gamers, even if they didn't find one of those games I listed to be their cup of tea. Morrowinds, you know, huge turnaround for them. So I have a question for you. Do you think it's possible that they're just saying who gives a fuck because they're riding away on Skyrim money? And that's you take it negative if you will to anybody watching, but mm. I think their multiple, you know, console versions of Skyrim have probably yeah. turned out to be incredibly popular investments. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I they have never outside of Fallout seventy six launch. They have never struck me as the fuck it company, but Fallout seventy six's launch was so poor that it's kind of made me question a lot of that type of stuff. So. I feel like the silence speaks volume, you know, a lot, says okay. a lot rather, where I feel like it reflects how the studio is dealing with it. They're they're okay. hunkering down and they're getting to work. They're doing a no man's sky approach. Mm-hmm. Just get to work, keep your head down, you know, just mind your own business kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um which you know, we were talking about games that bounce back. Ubisoft's a big one. Yeah, I, I said I feel like if No Man's Sky could bounce back and people like the game, it's a positive, positive game to talk about. And I'm like, you know what? If True. No Man's Sky could do that, granted it was an indie team, much smaller team, large promises, and it completely underdelivered. I still feel like if that game can have some form of a bounce back, I'm sure Fallout could. And like you said, and I've I said it too, ESO is probably the biggest learning tool they've got right now. This launch is a little reminiscent of ESO, although I don't think it was as hated. Um, right. Because ESO was buggy as shit. It was very boring at launch, um, which I know boring, subjective, but um, I personally didn't like it. Now, ESO is one of my favorite MMOs. When I relaunched with Tamriel Unlimited, the expansions, it's a fun fucking game, and it's fun to be a part of that world. And I feel like Fallout will eventually not will will get to that point because I I don't think folks should buy into ideas or promises, you know where has that gotten you right like yeah this is a game that you gotta like if you're gonna put your sixty dollars down you gotta know again right now it's gonna be worth that money or or forty dollars in the case of the Black Friday sales which I feel bad for anyone who paid sixty dollars for it I did I feel bad for myself 
Well, and that's the thing that's always struck me as funny, and and yours is delayed because of you know timing and how many and and, and sort of how you want to review the game. But I'm it also is yeah, crazy. I strolled through it for sure, and you've strolled through it, and it, but it is crazy how many times I'll hear somebody say, "Oh, reviews should just wait for like three weeks until a game's got patched," and I'm like, "Listen, if you can talk, if you can talk the company into not charging people for three weeks, all the power to you." then no reviews should come from anybody. That's great. But it's like the moment a Fallout 76 is charging you 60 bucks. Yeah. Right? Like it's yeah, and absolutely. again, I I think competition is nailing. And I and I think also competition hurts them in a really weird way. People look at ESO and many of them I bet you say, "How the fuck are you at this point with ESO and you haven't got even close to that with Fallout 76?" Mhm. It, despite them not being the same team, it's still that doesn't matter. The, the consumer, especially casual consumer, doesn't care too much about that kind of thing. Yeah. And it, it, so it seems it seems like a double worry of like we did successfully do this, did we not learn anything? Mm-hmm. And and now you're at a really uncomfortable. I think there's a lot of uncomfortable conversations happening behind closed doors. That in like places. in the back of their head, they're probably like, "This is weird. Like we haven't had to like you usually we're coming out the gate." Games perform well, right. games reviewing well. We're talking what's next. Now we're talking about what do we fix? You know, how, yeah, how, do, we, and how do we alter stash sizes, stuff like that. That just, damage control, right? Like yeah. where you gotta figure out like how it's to Battlefront two kind of thing. Fix now, yeah. work later. And and Battlefront two, correct me if I'm wrong, I do not feel that Battlefront two ever fully recovered. I I, think, I could be wrong on that. It just now, doesn't yeah. you, you, I would say you are correct up until because I am friends with Battlefront updates, um, and I've seen, I see his Twitter account. I see like a lot of the Battlefront community kind of reigniting because of the. Okay. It's called the Geonosis update or something like that. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it looks rad. Um, and so I think it's catching a lot of people's eyes. Finally, seeing new heroes coming to the mix, new villains coming to the mix. Like we already have Grievous, Obi Wan's coming this month, um, mm-hmm. or is it next month? I apologize if I'm incorrect. Obi Wan's coming soon though. And so I think with people seeing, you know, the maps, the heroes, the, the modes, and how uh, EA is kind of up their communication with the program. They're they're kind of like laying out roadmaps for every single month, and like they're they're doing special challenge modes and weeks every week. I would not be surprised if you're going to start seeing some re-reviews of Battlefront too soon. I would not be surprised because it, you know, I always said that you know those microtransactions were fucking disgusting, but. You, I think you agreed with this. Underneath the surface of all of this was actually a good game. Now that they finally kind of shed off all the crap and are are now getting to work on probably what they had planned back in <laughs> the end of last year. Yeah, um, right. We're, we're right. seeing what this game could have been initially. Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much that. I had a couple more issues overall than than I think other people did with even the core gameplay, but it was mm. most likely because I couldn't... It's very difficult to track a game's balance if it's balanced for microtransactions. That's so, very true. Right? Like, and, and I, again, I'm always a double negative type of person. If, if they try to say, oh, we didn't balance it for microtransactions, which, by the way, they stated, and then later said, we've spent six months balancing the game for not having microtransactions, at one of those two junctures, that company lied to you. They either lied to you when they said that they didn't balance it, or once they had to rebalance it, they lied to you when they said they did that. Obviously. It makes no sense any other way. Right. They either did it at the start, or they did it at the end. Um, 
So I think I, I think it's cool that we see a Battlefront do like come back. I think I think Fallout could. It's just, dude. I mean, it's a tough comeback. It's really tough. It's a it's tough because Fallout seventy six has some. <laughs> it's got some issues yeah. that are far beyond the high value of ESO when it first came out. ESO already had big voice actors. It had NPCs and a lively world, despite it having other issues. And this game, for a lot of people, has one core, if not two core issues, and the one being the narrative and how it's wrapped up with no NPCs. Yeah. It really does bother people, way more than maybe even Bethesda figures. I th- yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, you could not have said that any better. Um, it's uh, yeah, I think. Like I said, that that video that I talked about earlier about Channel Five Gaming was really kind of insightful to hear, like a developer talk about it and how probably a big reason behind no NPCs is because they're trying to figure out how they can get their games to work with multiplayer. Like my thing with Fallout seventy six is you're pretty much buying. I feel like you're buying into a platform to test what's going to be implemented in the future BGS games. You know, I, I, that's, I had the hunch, I had the hunch for the longest while. And right. I don't like to run my channel off hunches or, you know, begrudgingly talk about a game because I have a hunch. Um, I try to ignore that when it comes to discussions, but just something about it, man. And like when he pitched that idea and I was like, wow, you know, once you finally play it and you see them kind of figuring out player count still, um, it seems like it'll stay at its current amount, but like, Player count, item count allowed in the world, allowed in the world. Um, quest bugs just getting fixed that were an issue in the beta, like you couldn't repair one of the token machines uh, for the longest while, and now you can do that for the Bureau of Tourism quest. Like that's one that bugged me. Um, yeah, man, it's just I feel like a lot of folks are buying into a platform, just like if you were an early adopter of ESO. I tried that game out during its betas and did not give it a look until Tamriel Unlimited. And Bethesda's in the same position. They're going to have to probably do a relaunch. Fallout 76, Tricentennial, Vault vault reopening. I don't fucking know. Yeah, and um, especially when you look at Fallout 76, while I I could certainly agree with some of the, you know, lack of reason for NPCs, it, it reminds me of Master Chief Collection. So Microsoft said we're making a master chief game microsoft stated very clearly my uh that halo was one of the biggest titles for them ever like it was it obviously was it brought them into gaming um so then they failed utterly upon release and you have two ways to look at it one they failed utterly because they just made a shit game you have to really wonder about that you're like where's the talent how did it get to this point and then two they didn't care those are only the real two options And what worries me about Fallout 76 is if you look at them saying, oh, it's because we were trying to figure out NPCs in games, my question to everybody involved is, what in the fuck are we releasing the game for then? Mm -hmm. If we're trying to figure shit out, do we think gamers deserve to pay to figure shit out? And if we do, don't do 60 bucks. If we do, figure out... Yeah. Figure out a different payment plan. If we think that gamers should have to pay for fig for us figuring our our game out and and making these big changes, that's different than that's a core design philosophy. And I think it's more. I think what you said is far more likely 
than it being a core design philosophy. Because if it is, I don't think they did it very well. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're, you're stuck with it, it not being a core design philosophy, that it is a technical issue. And then again, you have to really quite, and I said this in your Discord, I was like, we have to have the unfortunate conversation at some point yeah. of like, how did we get here? And what decisions did we all make, you know, within a company? What did they all make to get to this point? Yeah. And you, you tapped on how they're like core mechanics that are just not great. Like the storytelling, mm-hmm. which is something I completely agree with, you know, even as a fallout fan, there are parts that, you know, I've, I've found myself interested in as a fallout fan, but as like a storytelling, it's not that good. And I yeah. think when folks look at that, it's not, you know, if they don't like that and they know the whole game's going to be like that, and it seems like presumably in the future it could be like that. You know, I imagine at some point they're going to try to squeeze in some human NPCs to give you quests. But I, I feel like because of that, it's not like ESO where... I don't want to say I look at Fallout and I don't see the potential of what they could add down the line. You know, I, I have a million one ideas on what they could add to make Fallout 76 cool down the line. But mm-hmm. like I said, this this goes back to my original point. If you're buying into a platform, it's something that currently isn't what it could, what it should be. Um, but I feel like if folks can't get into core mechanics, it's not just bugginess that we're working around here, but core parts of the video game. Yeah. They're always going to be there. That is something that is a much tougher sell. Even if you relaunch and say, Hey, here it is. Yeah. I mean, you're stuck and you're also stuck with some unfortunate like consequences of if you do add NPCs two years later, the question's going to arise, like, why weren't they there day one if, if like, they were possible yeah. and you felt that that was a core design? Why did you change your core design philosophy? Of course, the question, the answer can be because gamers obviously showed us otherwise. But I'm, I don't know about you, but I feel like, it's, it, in particular, YouTubers most likely, streamers who got a chance to see it early, stated very clearly that was an issue. So it's mm. like, why are you listening suddenly now? Maybe they just think people put their money where their mouth is. Which is possible because gamers don't do that a lot. We've talked about that before where people will be like, I'm boycotting this. And then even in Discord, you'll see them two days later be like, I'm playing blah, blah, blah. And you're all, yeah. you fucking said you weren't going to play that. Yeah. And casuals do it too where they're like, I'm not going to do this, but then this is the fun thing my friends are playing. That's the thing. Well, you know, I pegged it as like, I feel this game would outsell Fallout 4. I felt it would do really well. And, it's, and a lot of that was backed up by like what you saw with Battlefront 2. Granted, EA right. damn, deemed it as underperforming. With the fucking game sold like 11 million copies in its first yeah. month, or something crazy like that. And like that's, I don't care who you are. That's some. That's got to be some level of success there. Um, mm. I think it's they projected something and it hit it missed projections. But yeah, I, I just I felt like because EA had such a huge mess on their hands that people bought into that anyway because they didn't care. And I thought the same thing would happen. Fallout. It was going to get shat on because a lot about the game isn't that great. But there would be a contingent of gamers that that are not in the YouTube space, aren't in the discords, aren't in the discussion, that don't care and just see Fallout and want to play it. And it, we're seeing the brand yeah. pay off a little bit because, you know, presumably sold about $2 million in its first week, which I don't think is too bad. But for a BGS game, like, that's their top developer. Uh, and I'm not talking in talent, but, like, their big first. powerhouse that sells a ton of copies. So, do you know if it sold two million? It sold. Do we know. How, it sold just shy know? of a million, <clears throat> based off my math. <clears throat> Fuck, my voice is going away now. 
in the UK. So I imagine okay. in the US it sold equal yeah. to or slightly right. less than. So, you know, I could be wrong. It could have sold 500,000 in the US, which would be fucking insane. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I think that we, I, I think overall, it seems like consumers, at least lately, are even harder in the US than they are other places. So that could be, could yeah. be a possibility. But yeah, I, I should thinking, have worded it better, like 2 million tops. Uh, uh, yeah, no, no, that's fine. I, I think you're looking at, like, you're also looking at how they sold ver- and internal projections versus it being a financial disaster, which are different. Right. So it's like, just because they sold well, what does that does that mean anything or are they just offsetting it like i said with skyrim money and stuff so it's gonna and and then how how long can you offset it you know do you offset it for a year because you want to do a ubisoft thing if this is a side game like some of the people um i think it was paper bag maybe it was you but um people were saying this might be this is they're thinking this is a side game paper bag yeah yeah and not the main game um my question my big question to that is, of all the games that you side game, you chose Fallout. And of all the games that you side gamed, you chose to not put NPCs in it, which, not to be rude, that has to be one of the biggest things to everybody, whether it be the butler robot in 4, whether it be the first characters you meet in 3, the characters, for many people, are the biggest deal. And so there's a lot of weird decisions. I mean... And we we're, we spent a lot of time on this, and I feel like at the end of the day, it could just be something as simple as Bethesda did not identify their audience well enough. They kind of might they yeah, might have thought yeah. the the late backlash from not late, but like the the post launch backlash where critics reviewed well, users yep. came in were like it's not that good. I think maybe yep. Bethesda underestimated that and was like not that many people think that, and they did Fallout yep. seventy six and and mimicked a lot of what you saw in four and people were like, no, (laughs) no, this is not what we're looking for. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah. Mortal Kombat 11 leaked. Um, now let's move on to our last topic. Yeah. I like how we, I like how we just degenerated. Yeah. We always do. That was awesome. That's, that's what a podcast is. Ladies and gentlemen. Yes, indeed. So shout out to the people who listen to this deep. Anyway, last topic, sunset overdrive is now on PC. This, I think, is so cool, but why did it happen so late? I don't understand that, because this is such a good game that needs to be available to as many people as possible. Probably the most overlooked, under-discussed Xbox exclusive next to Killer Instinct, I feel. I love Sunset Overdrive. It's easily one of my favorite Xbox One games. Where do you stand on Uh, it? I I don't know how well it did uh, financially when it first came out, but my assumption is some of this is also tied to their um, keyboard and mouse update they just did. And that it's a lot. A lot of it has to do with like Xbox and PC and putting them all together. Them seeing these games, deciding that they can or can't run, and putting them together. It probably wasn't a high thing on their list, is all. Like right. I, I'm sure it was there, but it probably depending on the sales. Again, if if the sales were really good, then you really have to question: Was there a technical issue we're not aware of? Mm. Like, did it require more power on an open platform than a closed one than people expected? So we they didn't port it as quick. Because I don't know the sales, and usually that does, it, at the very least, drive, you know, a number of the decisions. Right. Yeah, that, that makes sense, man. <clears throat> Are you excited for the PC version? Are you playing it? <clears throat> Pardon me. I apologize to those That's who right. are listening. I keep clearing my throat. <clears throat> but um, I, I don't plan on playing it. I mean, I got a decent... This is, like, the first time in a really long while with gaming where I, I just kind of have, like, I've just been balancing games really well 
you know, I'd finished up Thronebreaker for my review, and then from there I coasted right into Red Dead. You know, I played that, beat that right before Fallout. Now I'm playing that, balancing with Darksiders. So I don't know. I don't want to take on a third game, uh, especially after playing Spider-Man, which I think is like the best, one of the best games Insomniac has made. I don't want to say the best quite yet because I did love Ratchet and Clank growing up. But um, it's not like calling my name enough right now to to go and cop it on PC. Uh, If I see it on a good enough sale, for sure, because it's just, it deserves... A try like if you own an xbox or you own a pc and you see this game at a good deal for you it give it a rip i'm telling you it, it it's one of those games that has a nice buildup of mechanics and movement arguably as good if not better than spider-man um giving you little tricks to do to gain speed wall run balancing environmental interactivity You'll see a lot of parallels between these two games, but I feel like Sunset almost... I'd have to go back and play it to say for sure, but based off memory alone, Spider-Man has incredible movements, don't get me wrong, but there's something about Sunset's movement and the way you use the environment, whether, you know, like I said, you're grinding or you're running, you're bouncing, that type of stuff that... Or dashing, too, that um, just makes it such a joy to explore the world. I, I cannot mm-hmm. suggest it enough. Are you as big? Are you as big? Bleh, are you as big on this as I am? Or no, I um I was not also a, a fan of um, Jet Grind Radio as much as other people, mm. and I think it may just come down to um and I wasn't a fan of Two Worlds. Uh, t- sorry, Two Human, which also used two uh, a sliding. Oof. Yeah, throwback. Even <laughs> yeah, that was a long time ago. Uh, two uh, uh, Two Human used a sliding mechanic for its movement. Um, I, I never think... played that one. Yeah, I mean, and and it it wasn't amazing. I think that what happens is, for me at least, I get um, I get bothered a little bit by movement in games. Like it's got to mm. feel a certain way, which is probably why I had issues with uh, Red Dead and brought those up in my review because I I, I dis- distinctly had some issues with how I felt how responsive it was. Um, I really do want that in a game, and I felt that that whenever. I'm play a game where I leap onto a track, like a railroad track, which is what Sunset's about, you know, leaping onto the things and sliding around. I always feel controlled. I always feel like I can't do what I want. And usually I'm not a fan of those games. Gotcha. Interesting. <clears throat> so you, you'd say, like, you you probably feel Spider-Man's movement better? Well, n- I have not played Sunset Overdrive other than, like, 15 minutes. Uh-huh. So I would say that I like... The idea of Spider-Man's better. It seems when I look at the video of the other game that I, I would like Spider-Man better, but that doesn't mean for sure. I would have yeah. to play it. I will say, though, visually, I remember looking at Sunset Overdrive, and I, I liked, in true Insomniac fashion, I liked the gadgets and weapons. Mm-hmm. And I thought the movement was going to be kind of like second place. Wouldn't be that, it would be good enough, but it would be, you know, serviceable, we'll say. But for, I feel like it's one of those titles that once you get your hands on... Same thing with Spider-Man's web swinging to an extent. You can watch it. You mm-hmm. see all the cool flippy flips. And you're like, oh, nice. He's he's doing things. And um, it's not until you just put your hands on the character and, and feel the controls and feel the right. power and the momentum as you, as you build speed and you traverse this environment, both in their respective ways that... Um, you understand, not that you don't, rather, but um, that you... you 
going, ah, this is why it feels great. Um, more like I said, I feel Spider-Man can be sold on looks alone. It's attached to the character. Yep. And, they, yep. and then animations nailed that character. So just looking at it feels good. But with Sunset, there's a feel and a momentum and a build up to that of getting speed and going fast. And like you said, you weren't a huge fan of Jet Set Radio. I think you said that, right? Yes. Yeah, correct. so yeah. I can get why it's not up your alley. For me, it's it's one of the games I really enjoyed, just because of its soundtrack, personally. I thought it was dope that like they had like their own personal music for the game. That was like my first mm-hmm. experience with that. But uh, yeah, man. Dope game. Cannot suggest it enough. Uh, any Anything you want to add on for Sunset? No, other than... I, hopefully it does well so we end up you know getting a sequel i don't know if Amen. that's exactly what their plan is but yeah. um hopefully not a sequel or not a redo by the way i don't mean remaster for i'm i truly do mean sequel i think mm-hmm. that, that that would be cool because it is a unique microsoft ip right and it, it would be cool to see them do well I, I, insomniac slash microsoft you know how it is where they yeah. work in in tandem yeah, I'd love to see them bounce from Sony to Microsoft for a game and then come back and do Spider-Man 2. That would be so fucking well, wild. Well, the rumor is is that like they make sure that every deal they sign allows them to work on anything else that they want. So, Man, I mean, imagine that. Yeah, I, I, I just imagine Spider-Man on the Xbox X just because I'm a fan of the extra power. So, <laughs> that's the one I want Oof. even more. I would. Um, I, I loved Spider-Man, but there were a couple times where I was like, I just wish this was a little bit more of a powerful system. Mm. I was playing on the Pro, so at least... Uh, I, I only play on my base PS4. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even though, be brutally honest, that game looked awesome on everything, right? Like, to be honest. Uh, yeah. It, it, Insomniac knows their shit. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, like, bro. In, in crazy ways, those guys can program magic. <laughs> They're special. Anyway... That'll wrap up episode 179 of the Ham Radio Podcast, Carrick. It's been a blast as always. Yeah, for sure. And I am shot. So we're going to wrap this up right now. Thank you all so much for joining. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace Peace out. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.